Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Saints for a touchdown! Eat your inside pass to everything Saints football. And the kick is good! We'll take you to places most fans never go. Will Watts from 60. To practice, to the sideline, to the locker room. Following every twist, turn, and touchdown of the Saints season. That is going to be a touchdown! Taysom Hill! Taysom TD! Welcome to Inside Black and Gold. And that is going to be a touchdown again. And guess who? Mike Thomas. Now, here are your hosts, Steve Geller and Jeff Nowak. Oh, baby! Welcome Inside Black and Gold. Steve Geller along with Jeff Nowak. Getting into some more Sean Payton watch talk. He actually visited with the Arizona Cardinals. He is visiting with the Arizona Cardinals as far as we know right now. And also get into a little bit of senior bowl talk. But Jeff, we do have a player out of the Sean Payton race now with the Carolina Panthers naming a head coach. Yeah, the Panthers hired Frank Reich, which I think they should have hired Steve Wilkes personally. But, you know, apparently he didn't do enough. And when you get fired as a white guy, you get second chances in the NFL. And we've seen that here. We've seen that elsewhere. But but first things first, I do have a I do have a rant I want to go off on, and it's gonna preempt the Sean Payton stuff. And it's that it's mainly just kind of a programming thing here. So what I need people to understand about this podcast is it is a recorded podcast that is for free on the internet. It is not our full-time jobs. We do this because we like it and we like you guys. And we're trying to provide content. All that said, I sit here and I ask for reviews and feedback and all this and that. And we never get any. And that's fine. I'm not mad about it. But today, I look at our reviews and we have a one-star review on there. Oh, and it kind of pissed me off. Yeah. The reason 
is that we didn't talk about Pete Carmichael in our Friday episode. Now, again, keep in mind, this is not our full-time job. So sometimes scheduling is difficult. And that's what happened last week. So we had to record that episode on Wednesday, but we also posted an episode on Wednesday. So I didn't want to post it on Thursday because I wanted to give people the maximum amount of time to listen to the Wednesday episode before I threw another one at them. So we posted it on Friday. Now, wouldn't you know it on Thursday, the news breaks that Saints aren't firing Pete Carmichael. So what do we do? Do we... Do we just throw that episode in the trash? Do we record an emergency episode? No, because we have jobs and we don't have time. So we post that episode on Friday and we come back on Monday and we talk about Pete Carmichael for a half an hour. But hey, we now have a one-star review because some entitled person thought that they deserve that, that rant immediately and not two days later on the podcast they get for free. So all that is to say, I don't like that guy, whoever it is. Because <laughs> I work pretty hard on this. And it bothers me that we now have a one-star review for something that's stupid. Anyway, that's it. That's my rant. I appreciate everyone who listens. It's also not a good reason for a one-star review, guys. Like, if you're going to give me a one-star review, I better have earned it. I've said some pretty ridiculous shit on this podcast, and you could come at me with a one-star review saying, oh, you didn't talk about Pete Carmichael fast enough. When this was an episode, bear in mind, it was a 70-minute episode where we break down the entire upcoming free agent class. Like it took a good amount of time to kind of get that all together and record a podcast and then edit the podcast and then produce the podcast. And then anyway, they, they don't want to hear that. They just want. The no, content. no. I'm they probably going to get now. more one star reviews from this rant. Oh, um, you know it. You're welcome. I do appreciate y'all for listening. And, and if I again and I say this all the time and no one ever does it. DMs are open on Twitter. My email account is Jeffrey.Noak at Odyssey.com. My Comments on YouTube. I check them every day. If we didn't talk about something, if you want content, let me know. Like, I love feedback. I love criticism. What I don't love is one-star reviews that never go away because some idiot doesn't realize that I couldn't just magically put content into a podcast that was already recorded. Anyway, moving on. I'm the it's worst. I know, I'm the worst. record. It is. <laughs> oh, guys, guys, guys. I, I don't have a lot going on. Anyway, changing course. Let us talk about Sean Payton. So it does feel like we are getting very, very close to Sean Payton's not coaching anywhere in 2023. And people are going to ask, what changed? And I'm not sure anything did. I think maybe there was, there was a point where we all kind of fooled ourselves into thinking that all these teams that have head coach openings are going to bend over backwards to hire Sean, jump through every hoop imaginable, trade whatever they have to trade, pay him whatever he wants. And then you get to the point where they're doing interviews and it just doesn't seem like that's the case. And I don't think that it has anything to do with like how the interviews went. I just think it's just the reality of what you can expect teams to, to go through to hire a coach in the moment um, when the alternative is, okay, we're going to see complete control of, of, of player development, of, of decision-making. He wants his GM to, to do his bidding and, and he wants to have all of this control and he also wants to make 20 million and we're going to have to give up a first round pick to get him. And it's like, I, I thought all along that it was like weird to me that everyone was so confident that was going to happen, but I drank the Kool-Aid. Um, but I think now we're kind of getting to the point where it just doesn't seem like it's going to make sense for for a team like the Broncos, for a team like 
the Cardinals. Now, the interesting thing is if the Broncos do hire D'Amico Ryans, does that kind of reopen the door for the Texans? Right. Um, but I just, I don't know. I just don't, I don't, I have a hard time seeing him landing anywhere this offseason, uh, the way things are currently. No, to, to me, the Texans are, are really attractive for both ends in the fact that with the organization, you need that really clean, fresh start that Sean's going to bring in and that you want him to bring in with that organization after they just went through with the whole Deshaun Watson saga. And I think they have the proper compensation that I think could be worked out reasonably for both sides to, to come out ahead on this. Um, and I think to really work out as, uh, as a, a, a realistic trade, the Denver one, I, I just don't know about them having to give up so much draft capital after just sacrificing so much with the Russell Wilson trade. That to me was always a big issue. And I'm I'm waiting and really interested to see what happens still with Arizona. He's you know that got pushed back a little bit, but his meeting with the Cards. And for me, for me, it comes down to does does Sean really want to work with Kyler Murray? And I know everyone goes to that clip of him on the Colin Colin Cowherd show talking about him as a, as a quarterback. But you know the work ethic, the the issues that have popped up. I think since then kind of throw up a big red flag for me if I'm a head coach going into that situation, no matter who you are. See, I disagree with that. I don't think that this is coming down to whether Sean wants to coach a team or not. Like, that's my point is I think that's the mistake we made as we went into this and we were like, well, where does Sean want to be? And in reality, I'm just not sure that these teams are willing to jump through the hoops and over the hurdles for what it would take to hire Sean. So like, who knows no, whether Sean would coach Kyler Murray. I don't think it's going to get to that point because if it was, then you would have already gotten to the point where you're establishing compensation and you haven't. If it was a question of whether Sean wants to coach a team, you would be going through second interviews. Sean's not turning down second interviews. They're not happening. Like the Panthers didn't ask Sean for a second interview. They went and hired Frank Reich. Right, like Denver is giving second interviews with guys, and, well, and one of them is not what Sean Payton. With that, he he supposedly was getting a rescheduled second interview with Denver, and that suddenly went off the table. I don't know. Yeah, I'm not I'm not in tune with that process out in Denver, <laughs> right. but yeah, I, and I don't know. I'm, like I think there's a there's a gap between the perceived need for Sean Payton and the actual need for Sean Payton, as it's seen by the teams that have the openings. Now they could be making a terrible mistake. And saying, well, we don't think we need to go the whole nine yards and trade for him and pay him and do all this. And we trust that we can bring somebody in and they can turn around Russell Wilson and they can kind of reestablish Kyler Murray as the guy we saw as a rookie. And and we can draft a Bryce Young and mold him into the starter of the future and, and this and that. And if that's true, great. If it's not, then you missed an opportunity to have an established head coach with a, with, a, with a much clearer vision of how you can be a competitive roster and get to a Super Bowl and get to the playoffs and whatnot. And that's going to be the question, but it, it's really not a matter of whether it's true or not, it's whether they believe it, because if they don't hire him and they don't want to hire him, then the Saints are out in the cold one way or another. Um, and so that's why from a Saints perspective, I think you kind of just have to start looking at, hmm, who's going to be there at number 40? <laughs> because 
I think that's that's what you're going to end up with this season. Maybe next year that changes. I just I don't see it changing this year. I really don't. Yeah, I mean, the fact that you, Carolina bowed out isn't a huge blow to me. I never thought there was re- a real true chance of Sean going into the into the NFC South. There was just too much that would that would hurt with that just from his coaching legacy as a whole in New Orleans and just having the fact that that you had to see him twice a year every year I, I didn't like that one bit so I I don't have a problem obviously missing out on that opportunity quote unquote but what hurts is obviously this year you don't get any compensation and yeah. we're gonna we're still talking about this for another year. Yeah, the one thing that I think is an interesting question is like there's this kind of standing idea that okay, if it doesn't happen this year, the compensation will go down. And Sean said that. But I'm not sure why that like I don't know yeah. if that's true, right? Because one way or another next year you're going to be in the same boat. Sure he has one fewer year left in his contract, but if you're trading for him, you're going to extend him anyway and he's going to want to make more money, so he's going to want to renegotiate it. So how would that actually change? Because if you need a head coach next year, you're not going to just wait out the contract, right? So I don't know how true that is. I do think that was kind of some gamesmanship on Sean's part yeah, trying absolutely. to add some fuel to some of these teams, right? Like to I, I don't I don't know. And I don't know how much of it is the Saints asking too much, but like I don't think it got to that point where they were actually negotiating for assets. So how could it be that? No, I definitely I mean, to me, Sean was amazing in that interview, just throwing out little nuggets out the boat, like constantly um, you know, mentioning draft compensation, a mid to late round first pit, you know, first round draft yeah. pick, and then that whole little well, I don't I don't know. I think compensation would be uh, less going into next year was just that little, that little parting kind of comment. And yeah, can really, I guess kind of, you wonder if he knew ahead of time that there was, there wasn't anything going to happen this year. I, I don't know. Like, you know, hinting the fact that this is going to happen another year and it's the, the a team won't have to give up as much for me then for whatever reason. Uh, but I still, I don't under, understand any why rationale that would be the case just because there'd be one less year left on his current deal with the saints. So you think he's playing 3d chess and he always knew he wasn't going right, to go maybe. anywhere and he's yeah. just setting up yeah. this stage where everyone's going to be like, no, he can't get as much. So he's not, going I, I don't know. But yeah, it's, it's start. I started to think of that craziness. Right. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I mean, I think Sean's a smart guy. I don't think he's that, I don't even know if, if smart would be the word like sociopathic <laughs> it would be a better word if that was the case. Um, but yeah, so like, I think from a saints perspective, you have to operate because and we're going to talk a lot about the senior bowl. And, and the reason I say this is because you have to start your off season. You have to start scouting players. You have to start making plans for what you're going to do. And you can't bank on this, this, this return in a trade anymore. Like if something comes, comes in at the 11th hour and suddenly you add assets, great. But I think from the Saints perspective, you have to go forward not expecting to get back anything in this trade because you're going to go out to the Senior Bowl four days from now and you're going to have to scout players. You're going to have to figure out who you're going to focus on. And, you know, one of the interesting things that Mickey said when I asked him about kind of like how does that change your scouting is it doesn't. You're still going to scout all the players the same way you would, but 
it's going to affect the players you bring into the building. You can have 30 visits from, from prospects. And so are you going to bring in CJ Stroud? No. Right. Are you going to bring in Bryce Young? No. You know, because if you're in the middle of the first round, you might be able to trade up. You're not trading into the first round all the way to, to the top 10. So like, there's a lot of prospects that you do not have a chance at. So that kind of changes that, but it doesn't change how you're going to scout people from an organic perspective because, and I think it's a good point is four years from now, five years from now, some of these players are going to be up for free agency. And if you had a good on them now, odds are you're going to have a good grade on them then. And you might bring those guys in and you see that for the Saints. Like they, they do that in their scouting a good bit of the time. Um, so that's going to be something you look at this week as you go out to the senior bowl and you, and you try to figure that out. The bigger question to me though, is do you lose both of your defensive coordinators? <laughs> because sure. both Chris Richard and Ryan Nielsen have interviewed with two different teams. Ryan Nielsen is the Falcons and the Vikings, both offensive head coaches. Chris Richard is the Panthers and the Dolphins. Now, I don't know how his status as a, as a candidate would hold up with Frank Reich now the head coach, because I don't, I, I mean, I, I don't know why they interviewed a defensive coordinator candidate prior to hiring a head coach anyway, but I do know that Mike McDaniel down with the Dolphins would really benefit from kind of a home run hire as a defensive coordinator. And I think that Chris Richard would qualify as a home run hire as a defensive coordinator. It's an interesting situation because, and the reason I say they're all offensive head coaches is you as a defensive coordinator working with an offensive head coach, you are essentially the defensive head coach, right? Like if you want to look at it that way, it's the same way that DA ended up being a head coach candidate for the saints by sheer virtue of leading a very good defense, but you would never have considered Pete Carmichael as a serious candidate to succeed Sean Payton or even be a head coach candidate. Right. And so now if you're Chris Richard and you're Ryan Nielsen, you're looking at this situation being like, I'm never going to get credit, but I might on another staff. And so the idea is like, well, one of them might get hired and you offer the position to the other one. But what if they both say, you know what, no, like the, the grass greener over here and you lose both. I think that's a realistic possibility. And it would really, it would really throw a wrench into some of these offseason plans you have because you're now replacing our defensive line coach, secondary coach and defensive coordinator. And man, it's, it's tough to think that you'd want to do the co-coordinator deal if you end up you end up losing both in a situation like this. It, yeah. it gives you like the worst case scenario of having the co-coordinator role leaving when you have a good defense and then both end up leaving for the full-time position instead of the co-position. But it you just, could hire a new secondary coach, a new defensive line coach, and then have a tri-defense coordinator set up. Or I mean, but the Saints, the Saints could turn around too, and then be like, "Hey, to either one of the, the, those guys, and offer them the full time, obviously, head uh, the defensive coordinator position." But that that's the thing too. Do, does someone want to make their own stamp on things outside of Dennis Allen? Yeah. Here's the thing: Do you do that preemptively, right, yeah. to make sure you don't lose both, or do you wait? And offer it to who, if someone doesn't get, you know what I mean? Like, that's where you are right now. And it's really awkward. It is, and it is I don't know what situation. you do, right? Like, because if you really want to keep Chris Richard, 
do you offer him the full role now and say, sorry, Ryan, <laughs> you know, go enjoy Minnesota. You basically would then guarantee you're losing one by sacrificing the chance of keeping both. I think they, you know really, I mean? they, they have to come to those realizations, but yeah, to, to me, to lose both of them would be a, a, a really, it would be a big blow. hit, but, but like They're I said, really I, I would understand it for the fact yeah. that if I, if both of them are like, well, we are under this defensive coach, we want to sh- we want to go on to a more offensive team to kind of flex our defensive muscles. You know what I mean? Yeah, it is interesting too because the only one who never gets talked about is Michael Hodges, and I would argue that he's one of the better position coaches in terms of like the the linebackers have always been a strength of this team, and they give them they give them almost nothing to work with. Like you, you the fact that they spend a second round pick on a linebacker, you're like, wow, look at that. You know, like Caden Ellis was a seventh round draft pick. I do think it's interesting, though, because when you look at the last time the Saints didn't have a first-round pick, they had one of their better drafts because they got Eric McCoy in the second. Then they didn't have a third because they traded up to get Eric McCoy, and they drafted C.J. Gardner-Johnson in the fourth. And then I can't remember. They had, like, I think it was, like, Saquon Hampton, a couple safeties that, that weren't very good. But then Caden Ellis in the seventh round. So, like, considering you didn't have a first-round pick, that was a pretty a great draft haul. So hopefully they can do that again. Yeah, I mean, if you look at the history of the the number one pick, I don't know if it's been more good than bad kind of thing for the Saints. I think the Saints have missed on more first-round picks than second-round picks in the last, like, 10 years. But they've had some pretty damn good ones, too, though. First-round picks? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Marshawn, Ryan, Cam. both the same year. I could argue Ingram. Olave seems pretty good. I would that, say that's Ingram more than a decade Cam. ago. We we have gone past, past the decade. And we're talking about Cam and Mark, but they were still around. Sorry. No, they. I know, still around but that now. doesn't make them any younger. No, there's, yes, they're still relevant, though. <laughs> they are, but I said a decade. I said a decade. We're cutting it off. Okay, we're okay, old. Okay. Get it? They're old. We're old. I'm the same age as Mark Ingram. All right, you got anything else you want to throw out on Sean Payton? Because. Because I'm tired of talking about him. <laughs> oh, yeah. You keep talking all this stuff with Senior Bowl. Why? Why is that so important? Like, is it like a Saints breeding ground of talent? Maybe. We're going to get into that in the next segment. Uh, keep it locked on Inside Black and Gold and hit the subscribe button wherever you get your podcast. And maybe even leave us a review between two and five stars. Don't do a all one. Right, that's feelings. All right, I'll stick around. Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives we're consumed by all the what if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun if you're like us then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass or play call each week on alternate routes we'll take a flashpoint in sports break down what actually happened then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused follow alternate routes on the wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts you can listen early and ad free right now by joining wondery plus Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. And 
and we're back here on Inside Black and Gold. And I'm only back for a few days, and then I'm going to hit the road and drive two hours over to Mobile to hang out at South Alabama University, um, which is beautiful, by the way. I don't know if you've ever been there for the Senior Bowl. It starts on Tuesday. It ends on Saturday. I'll only be there for a couple days going out to the practices. But there's a reason that it's a place you have to be if you're covering the Saints. And we're going to get into more of that. I'm Jeff Nowak alongside Steve Geller. This is Inside Black and Gold. And Steve, if you had to guess, and you, and you probably remember because I told you, over the last two decades, how many Senior Bowl players do you think the Saints have drafted? I do remember you told me it's definitely higher than I even could have imagined, even though I know how much they've dipped into the uh, the talent pool over there. But I think you said it was 48. They have drafted 49. And I believe it's like 30% of all of their draft picks have come from players that have been at the Senior Bowl. And it's not a crazy number, but the, the number that's impressive is eight first-round picks, which... Right. You know, the, the whole point of the Senior Bowl is to give guys exposure, Some a lot of them from smaller schools. A lot of – they're all seniors, obviously, so they're not guys who are coming out early. And so, like, you'll see teams take a lot of players at the Senior Bowl, but not necessarily their top picks. But that's not true for the Saints. The Saints will often use first-round, second-round, third-round picks. And so, I went through the last 22 drafts. Wow. 23 drafts, actually. Back to 2000, which that's the first year Mickey Loomis was with the team. So it makes sense to kind of cut it off there. These are all the picks for the Saints of players that were at the Senior Bowl in their respective years. So they have picked at least one player from the Senior Bowl every year, but 2012 and 2007. I forgot for a second, but I found it. So if you're at the Senior Bowl, you can almost guarantee that you are watching the Saints draft pick. And that's what makes it worthwhile to go out to. Obviously, we always talk to Saints, you know, front office personnel while we're there as well. But, you know, you go through this list. And one of the questions you asked me prior to coming on is like, oh, what is their like hit percentage of these senior bowl players? And and I'll I'll be the first to tell you it's not great. <laughs> <laughs> like, but at the same time, you're talking about a draft pick hit percentage, which, you know, 50% is probably a decent number outside of the first round. My issue with the Saints picks at the Senior Bowl is that a lot of their first round picks have not been good. So, like, you right. look, it's like, okay, Trevor Penning, we don't, jury's still out, right? But then 2021, Peyton Turner, eesh. You know what? I'm not completely out on Peyton Turner yet, but I'm getting close. You know, I think what he does in 2023 will obviously be a big year for him, one way or the other, right? We just don't see him enough. Yeah, right. But I mean, that's why, you know, I think they're probably going to let. Marcus Davenport walk, who, guess what? Another senior bowl guy. And I think it's more about like, okay, can we open a path for him to get regular snaps? And then how does he perform? Because I mean, like, I think he looked solid when he was on the field this year. He had that unfortunate ankle injury right after a fourth down stop, you know? So I, he had the block field goal at the end of the Falcons game. So like, I don't know, like, I'm not, I'm not out on Peyton Turner yet, but you're getting close, right? And so it's just a matter of like, what can he do this year? to uh, to kind of rebuild that stuff. You, know, you keep going down. Alex Anzalone, Sheldon Rankins, solid first-round pick. Stefan Anthony, not a solid first-round pick, right? So you kind of kind of work your way down this list. Stanley wow. Jean Baptiste, and, yeah. But then, oh, look, Teron Armstead. Kakaha was great until he couldn't stay healthy. Yeah, you keep going. Oh, look, Cam Jordan, cool. Johnny Patrick, yeah. Patrick Robinson, Jimmy Graham, whoo. 
these two players I can't name. Meh. Thomas Morstead, Cedric Ellis, Tracy Porter, oh, Carl Nix. This was actually probably their best. Well, actually, no, I take that back because Cedric Ellis was terrible, but Tracy Porter was good. So, you know, it's Carl Nix was good too. <laughs> Carl Nix was good. Roman Harper, and then Alfred Fincher. Uh, 2004, you had Devery Henderson. 2003, you had John Stinchcomb. 2002, LaCharles Bentley. They're like, these are guys I don't even remember as NFL players. 2001, Cedric Hodge. 2000, 2000, Darren Howard in the second round. So like you, you look at it and you can see that this is a team that not only goes to the senior bowl to, to find players, they go to the senior bowl to find early round draft picks. Like you're talking rounds one, two, and three. Like you don't see that many fifth, sixth, seventh round picks out of the senior bowl. You're, you're seeing early to mid rounds. For some reason you see that really stress the fact that they want that that veteran type of college player, I guess you would say, coming in instead of they they stress a lot of that value of having that more more experience in the you know in the game instead of the younger guys coming in. I guess you would say. Yeah, I think the Saints value maturity and leadership. Maybe that's um, the word I was talking for. Yeah, I was I was searching for maturity there for sure. Yeah, when you see when you see the Saints draft players, a lot of times it'll be okay. These were this was a captain on their team. This was a team leader. This is a four-year right. starter, that sort of thing. And, you know, I think from an upside perspective, it's not the greatest strategy, right? Like, you don't get necessarily these like, crazy high-ceiling players, but you do get a lot of high-floor players. And I think that's part of the reason you've seen a lot of consistency from this team over the last decade or so, right? Like, even their down seasons have been seven-win seasons. Like, that's the low watermark since 2010, right? Or since... 2005 is seven wins. So, you know, I th- and I think that's how you get there and that's how you kind of build from that. Now you want to get the hits. And I think the interesting thing is you look at all these players, every all 49 of these players, not a single one of them is an Ohio State player. But we know that this team loves drafting Ohio State players. So, and there are Ohio State players that went to the senior bowl. <laughs> so it is kind of interesting how they break it down. Like when you, I'm going to go to the senior bowl, I'm not even going to watch the Ohio State players because I know the Ohio State players the Saints are going to look at are going to be at the pro day for Ohio State. <laughs> right. Those are, the, those are the young kids they're after. They know that if you've lasted to senior year at Ohio State, we, we have one, one, yeah. nothing to do with you. Right. Like, like Chris Olave, Mike Thomas, Pete Werner. There's a couple others that I can't think of. Malcolm Jenkins. These weren't senior bowl guys, but they're on the roster. They're like, these are, it's like, it's like they either draft a senior bowl guy or an Ohio State player or Tennessee. Although Alante Taylor was at the senior bowl last year. The other guy was DeMarco Jackson, who was there. That was App State. Um, But I actually, after this last draft, and I don't know if I ever actually used this anywhere, but I asked Mickey Loomis about why this team ends up with so many senior bowl players. And this is what he said. Yeah, I don't think that's conscious conscious by us um obviously we get you know that's an extra look an extra evaluation we send our pretty much our whole staff to the senior bowl so we have a lot of eyes on players there we you know we're pretty thorough you know with interviews and and Jim Nagy and their staff there is really accommodating you know not just to us but to all the teams and so it's we just get more information and and you know the more you're around you know players I think the more you you end up liking them so, but I, it's not a conscious thing by us. You know, it's not it's not a box that we're checking um, when we're going through this process, you know, that, that um, the guy was at the senior bowl. See, I don't necessarily believe that. <laughs> Just because of, like, what you see when three players from the senior bowl pop up 
Like, even if it's not a conscious box you're checking, it's definitely something that you are valuing because you use that so in depth as a scouting resource. And this year in particular, you're going to have Ronald Curry as the offensive coordinator for the national team. Then you're going to have Declan Doyle and Demarcus Robinson. Is that his name? I believe as the cornerbacks coach and tight ends coach. So, you know, when you're looking at what players are they going to be really looking at this year or trying to look considering in the draft, I, you know, tight end is a, is a position that would make a lot of sense. So you think you're kind of breaking down the prospects of like, okay, who are you going to watch closely? And this is what I'm doing. This is what I did this morning is like, okay, who are the tight ends out there? So you have like Dalton Kincaid out of Utah, Luke Musgrave, Oregon state. Those would both be second round guys. Um, Cameron Latu out of Alabama, Josh Twilight out of Cincinnati, who, you know, Travis Kelsey makes me take every Cincinnati tight end seriously, even if it's not fair. Um, and those would be like round five guys. And so, you know, you, you have coaches working directly with these players in an instance where not every coach is going to have the access that they're having. So I think when the saints are kind of weighing that you're going to look at safeties. Cause I think that's what DeMarcus Robinson is looking at and, and tight ends. And then just kind of the overall offensive structure of both of these teams. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised if that's where you end up seeing some of these draft picks get in. Any defensive tackle prospects to, to, to maybe look at? That's, you know, I, no, there really aren't that many. And, you know, like a guy like Siaki Ika from Baylor is interesting. He's a second round guy. Will McDonald, Iowa State, he's a second round guy. But there's no real top end defensive line prospects at the Senior Bowl this year. I mean, there's some edge rusher prospects. But I don't see this team adding an edge rusher because, like I said, I think you you do need to figure out what you have in Peyton Turner, and I don't think you want to muddy that for him any more than it already has been. And so I don't think this is the year where you have one pick in the second round and you go in for another edge rusher. Maybe somebody falls that you really like. Maybe you're trying to replace Cam Jordan down the road and you need to have somebody in there. But I think that this is a, this is a year where you're either going interior offensive line. You know, I could see them picking a guard kind of so that they can move on from Andres Pete eventually. And I do think that the Saints, when they do have a pick in this range in the second round, they know that, you know, the value of a of an interior offensive lineman is a lot higher because they're not going in the first round, whereas you're seeing all the offensive tackles come off the board. And so you might be able to squeeze out one of the top, you know, guard prospects in that range. That's what they did with Eric McCoy. They traded up to get Eric McCoy in the second round and that worked out really well for them. So I wouldn't be surprised if that's the, if that's the direction they go, but I know people are going to want a quarterback at 40. I do not think that there is any way the saints are taking a quarterback at 40. Um, I just don't. I mean, I know a lot of speculation has been about Hendon hooker, but is he going to be around by then? Yeah. And he's invited to the senior ball. I don't know how much he's going to do. Like he's still dealing with a knee injury. Yeah, I don't, so I don't know what you're, what kind of look you're going to get. So I, I think he's going to be around in the third. If you want him, I think you can get him in the third round. The other guy that I think is interesting is uh, Jaron Hall, BYU. Saints really like BYU players. They don't necessarily like BYU quarterbacks, but they do have Taysom Hill. So who knows? Maybe maybe that is kind of a connection they can mine. The other guy, Max Duggan, TCU, I find interesting. You know, Maybe they can uh, connect the past and future TCU quarterbacks with Andy Dalton being the bridge to Max Duggan. Maybe that's what you can do. Um, but like he's an interesting guy to watch. The other guy, the, the other guy who I think is a really intriguing wide receiver prospect that the Saints might be able to steal in the late rounds, and I think that's where they like to get guys like this, is Trey Palmer. Do you remember that name? Yeah. LSU. So he went out to Nebraska and he caught 72 passes for a thousand yards, and he is 
a blur. And the only reason I bring this up is because I think Rashid Shahid was good enough as a rookie that you have to bring in some return depth behind him because you're going to want to incorporate him in the in the regular offense way more significantly than you did this year. And you have to have someone, if you don't bring Hardy back, which I don't think they're going to bring Deontay Hardy back, you have to have someone who can step in there. And I don't think Marquez Callaway is going to be that guy. He's also a restricted free agent. You could bring him back. But I think you're going to be looking for another return guy and he could be a guy that you get in the seventh round, maybe as a UDFA, who I think is really intriguing. I think he was like just grossly underused from a talent perspective at LSU. And and he's his speed is legit. Yeah, I was surprised, you know, that, that Taysom wasn't used more in special team in the return game at all. Yeah, I don't know. Were you upset seeing Rashid back there? No, no, not at all. But like over someone like a Callaway or, you know, I mean, I just I'd rather have Taysom over over him, obviously. This past season? Yeah. Well, but I mean, like, when? When would you have done that? No, I'm just saying anytime you're using someone other than Shahid, I, I don't know what else you, in the, in the return game, I would tend to lean more towards trying to get Taysom out there. Just, I'm always looking for Taysom touches, I guess. I, I mean, I, I, I don't have any issue of Rashid being the returner, but I think, like, no. having one guy do both kick and punt returns is a big ask if you also are including them in the everyday offense. Now, sure. kick returns, I think he could probably handle, but like, I don't think you want him to do both. And it's like, if you're if you're giving him 70% of the snaps as a wide receiver, it's a lot to ask to also have him go back there and return kicks every day. So, I, like, like I said, I wouldn't be surprised. Do you think his wide receiver usage would get bumped up that much? I, 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 I better. Right, it better, but I mean, I don't, I don't know what to anticipate next year. I would hope to see more, even more Shahid. It just felt like uh, it was still, I guess, maybe a feeling out process too of of seeing what exactly he could do. I just felt he was underutilized towards the end of the year, especially the last two games. Okay, there's one more interesting kind of breakdown from the Senior Bowl and how the Saints use it that I want to get to before we go. And it's basically like picks by position, right? So of the 49 picks, 12 of them have been either defensive ends or defensive tackles. So they do look hard at the lines, right? They've taken nine offensive linemen. So 21 of the 49 picks have been either offensive or defensive linemen. Like, and, and that's what it becomes difficult because there's so many players at the senior bowl. And I'm kind of talking about from a scouting perspective. So I'm going out there and I'm like, I don't recognize a majority of these players I'm trying to figure out which helmets belong to which school. There's so many. And so like the first day I'm out there was really just trying to figure out who was who. So that, like last year, one of the biggest goals I had was to go find Trevor Penning. Now it was pretty easy because he's a behemoth and he was standing a foot taller than basically everybody else. But like it, it is, it is difficult the first couple of days to try to figure out, okay, who is that guy? Who is that guy? Who's throwing a who who's catching? Cause they don't wear the same numbers that they were in college. But one easy way to make sure you get the right people is to look at this like, okay, the Saints are really focused on the defensive and offensive line. So if you're going to watch anything closely, you watch that. They also have taken nine cornerbacks or safeties. And so, again, it's like, okay, that's the position you want to look at. Linebackers, they've taken nine of them, although a majority have been in the, in the distant past, right? Like you're talking like Stefan Anthony and like in the early 2000s. And I think they've actually moved away from using the senior bowl to scout linebackers. So I'm not looking at linebackers that closely. 
has any of the linebacker prospects worked out at all? I guess Let's Zach Bond still up in the air. So here, here I'll name you all the linebackers. 2001, yeah, yeah. round three, Cedric Hodge. 2002, round three, James Allen. 2004, round two, Courtney Watson. 2005, third round, Alfred Fincher. So we missed a few years. Then 2015, Stefan Anthony. 2017, Alex Anzalone. That was a, he's actually playing really well with the Lions right now, but I wouldn't say he was a, he was a great find. 2020, Zach the best Bond. One, though. And then 2022, DeMarco Jackson. So if you want to look at it and say, Alex Anzalone might be the best of these nine linebackers yeah. they've drafted, and a majority of these that's have fair. come in the early 2000s, that's not a position I'm looking at that closely because it's, it's shown to be a position they don't scout that closely at the senior bowl. It's also just a position they don't draft that heavily. Wide receiver, they've only had four of them, and they and they have not been recent. The last most recent one was Traquan Smith, and then before that, you're talking Devery Henderson. So I'm not looking at wide receiver. Still, just it's sad to me that anytime Traquan usually gets brought up, and you want to say something positive, it's like, but he's such a great blocker. He is a great blocker. But yeah, like I'll watch the wide receivers, but I'll look for guys who pop. I'm not necessarily identifying prospects in advance and going to scout them because I know that the Saints aren't doing that, or at least that's what it, this would indicate to me. The other is just a quarterback. They've only taken three of them. The most recent one was Ian Book. So like that's not an indicator that they won't because it's a weird position when you have Drew Brees and you know that you're not looking for a replacement maybe the last few years, but like – that's a position where they could look at guys, but this year without a first round pick, I don't know. I am looking at Jared Hall and I am looking at Max Duggan, but I'm not going to spend too much time worrying about them because I just don't think the Saints are going to go after them. Um, but we'll find out. And Tight ends, they've only taken two. Go ahead. How many senior bowl QBs have gone on to, you know, big time, you know, NFL success kind of thing too? I don't, that's a position usually that doesn't stick around. Well, it's tough because, again, you're not getting all of the prospects at the Senior Bowl. And so you're not getting a lot of the top-end Ohio State guys, for example, because their pro day is going to get just as much exposure as a Senior Bowl. And so they don't have to do it. And they're, they, they're better served getting ready for the Combine at this point than going to the Senior Bowl. And that's going to be true of a lot of the quarterback prospects, too. So if you're a first-round quarterback prospect, you might not be showing up. Kenny Pickett did last year. Like, all the that's quarterbacks showed up last year because they were – there weren't any top 10 quarterback prospects last year. So like, yeah, you're not getting CJ Stroud. You're not getting Bryce Young, you know, like you're not getting a Cam Newton, you know, you're not getting a Trevor Lawrence. So it, it makes it a little it's skewed away from quarterbacks. I think. Yeah. I wouldn't call it like a hunting ground for your next, yeah. you know, your future star kind of deal. No, and occasionally you'll find somebody, but it's, it's, it's rare tight ends. I've only taken two of them. One of them was Jimmy Graham. So <laughs> that was a pretty good find. Most recently, it was Adam Troutman. But And I know I said that I'm going through this and saying, well, they haven't taken these guys. They haven't taken these guys. I do think the tight end is a position they look at at the Senior Bowl. It just doesn't always equate to drafting a tight end in the, in the early rounds because it's just a position that they don't see a ton of value in. But like Adam Troutman got drafted pretty much solely on his Senior Bowl performance. So... I think that is a position that this team does value in. And again, they have Declan Doyle as the tight ends coach at the senior bowl. So I would expect tight ends to be a position that they could, they could very much draft out of there. Yeah. We, I mean, I'm sure we've talked about it. Just, he was one of the Troutman uh, talking about him. He's one of the more disappointing outputs, just individual player wise. I mean, the team obviously wasn't a great year, but individually 
seeing his development really we didn't see that at all this season he he kind of was it's not even an afterthought he was just not around really yeah i mean he's a very he's josh hill right like that's that's what you can say about him is he is very much josh hill um and i wouldn't say he's been bad he just hasn't been used and so yeah i think that he was a guy that they traded up for so you would have expected you know they they clearly expected more out of him than being Josh Hill, right? Like you can find block and tight ends. You don't need to trade up in the third round to get a block and tight end. Um, and so, yeah, he's definitely not been a a victory, if you will, in the scouting process. I've been waiting to see that offensive pop from him for sure. Yeah, just hasn't <laughs> happened. No. Um, and then the only other position, fullback, they've taken one. So the Saints have never drafted a running back that was at the Senior Bowl which I find really interesting because there are a lot of really intriguing running back prospects at the senior bowl. It's a position that doesn't get drafted in the first round. And a lot of these running backs are true, doing everything they can to improve their draft stock. But for some reason, the saints haven't been able to find one at the senior bowl. Now that said, the saints don't draft running backs period. So it's not necessarily an indictment on the senior bowl running back class as much as it is like the saints don't draft running backs. Yeah. I was going to say maybe too, they figure any of the senior backs have more less tread on the tire, I guess you could say. No, I mean, I, it doesn't matter whether you're at the senior bowl or not. They just don't draft them. So going back to like going back a decade, you can go back all the way to 2012. The saints have drafted four running backs. Obviously 2011, they drafted Mark Ingram in the first round. Since then they've drafted four running backs. It's a long time. You get seven picks in every draft. They've taken four running backs. Then and and three of them have been in the sixth round or later. The right. only one that they drafted in the third round or higher, heck, in the fifth round or higher, was Alvin Kamara. They took him in the third round. Even he wasn't a high pick. It was a great pick, right. but he wasn't a high pick. And and the funny thing is, they actually drafted a running back four years in a row. They took Boston Scott in 2018. He was a sixth round pick. They took Daniel Lasco in 2016. Wow, he was a so seventh wow. round pick. And they took Marcus Murphy in the seventh round in 2015. And then obviously Alvin Kamara was third in 2017 over the past decade. Those are all the running backs they've drafted, which is crazy. Yeah. Marcus Murphy kind of stuck around for a little bit. Those are some funny names. I mean, saying those names, you know, obviously brings back memories of Daniel Lasco too. Wow. Um, I some good special teams figure, players. Sure. I mean, but that's not what you, you know, you, when you're talking about running back, Obviously, you know, you, you think of like that, that work horse, that cowbell um, type of player, someone at least to supplement, you know, a one-two kind of punch. And there really hasn't been, at, been that besides Ingram and Kamara together, I guess you could say. Well, I mean, when you're drafting a running back in the seventh round, you're not expecting him to be a bell cow. You're getting a useful special teams player in the seventh round of a draft, I would argue, is a is a, 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 a solid return. Right. That's a successful pick. Now, right. you would love for them to be Marcus Colston and Zach Streif, right? Like, those were seventh round picks that obviously were a whole lot better than special teams contributors, but you're not banking on that. And so... Like, but, but again, like Alvin Kamara in the third round, that is a guy you are hoping to be a starter down the road. Mark Ingram down the first round, that is a guy who you're hoping to be a star. And so both of those you, you got very well. But like, again, 
you just haven't drafted running backs. And that's part of the reason I think that you are so thin at that position. And you've tried to sure. fill the gap with like Latavius Murray's and David Johnson's and, and all these other guys that you brought in, but just draft a guy, man, just draft him and develop him. Like they drafted Boston Scott and then they let him go. Now he's scoring nine touchdowns a year against the Giants or whatever the hell it was. I don't know. Yeah, you're, you're just bitter over that fact, right? I'm still mad about that. Um, but again, but so... For whatever reason, yeah, the, the team... I, I feel like maybe because they've had success with the undrafted running back market, maybe they didn't delve too much into the you know into the draft class and and the stock of the, of the running backs in the draft. But you're, you're right right now. That position really needs some kind of injection behind in, uh, behind, behind Camara for sure. Yeah, but no. So more so, just the senior bowl part of this, and like as I go through the process, and I'm because I'm currently trying to identify. Okay, these are the players I'm going to watch closely. Running backs aren't on that list. Again, it's kind of like wide receiver where I'll watch them and I'll see. Okay, if this guy pops and like like I'm going to let them identify themselves to me more so. Like I'm going to seek them out. You know what I mean? Does that make sense? Yeah, because you're looking. You got a type you're looking for. Well, I mean, like, I, I'm not going to go into that and be like, okay, I want to see this guy, I want to see this guy, I want to see this guy. But if I'm watching and I see this one guy constantly making plays and and picking up blocks and and breaking 50-yard runs, and all of a sudden it's like, okay, who is this guy? You know, and I think that's how the Saints are going to approach it. Like, they clearly don't value running backs at this this scouting event that highly. But if a guy just makes makes them stand up and, and be like, oh, who was that? then I think that's where you go. And so that's how I'm going to approach it, for that position at least. Yeah, and uh, always the fact that you know that the Saints are invested in finding talent there, it, it's always a, a big event yearly. And uh, the the one time I got to go, Jeff, I'll never forget, obviously, the, one of the big interviews I did was with now Saint, Tano Passigno, but he wasn't drafted by New oh. Orleans. Did, he, did you do the interview in French? No, no, no French. He speaks French. He also calls himself a fake vegan because he eats fish. Yeah, right. And I I, I don't know if he's aware of this, but there is a word for that. <laughs> <laughs> like it's called pescatarian. Right. <laughs> well, I guess but I just thought it was funny. It's hard it's hard to, I guess to to consider that when when you're when you're looking at the, the veganism. I don't know. It's, well, it's, it's wild that he can have that physique while while being vegan. <laughs> he's a fucking <laughs> giant. Um, but I do think that that he's a good example of like, you know, the Saints probably did look at him closely at the senior bowl. And right. when he became a free agent, they went and got him. You know, and and so I think that's true as well. And UDFAs too, you know, like I didn't even bother going through the UDFAs because there's so many of them, and it would be almost impossible. It would take me all day to try to figure out because most of them don't make the roster anyway. So like it's tough, but yeah, I'm sure that if you went through the UDFA list, you'd also see a lot of senior bowl guys. So all that is to say, this is a very long segment breaking down. Like <laughs> why is it important if you're scouting the saints draft to go to the senior bowl? That's why, because you will see at least one, maybe more players that will end up on the saints at that event for sure. Yeah. You're pretty much guaranteed. And like you said, with the, some of the first round draft picks haven't been, you know, widely successful, but the biggest one I'm I'm guessing on the entire list has got to be Cam Jordan. Yeah. There hasn't been a better player would, they've gotten from there. Well, let's see. Uh, Cam Jordan. Um, I don't know. Jimmy Graham's up there. Yeah. Jimmy in his prime, man, was unstoppable. 
Roman Harper's in the team hall of fame. Devery Henderson's in the team hall of fame. John Stinchcomb. I don't know. Is he in the team hall of fame? He was really good though. The Charles Bentley apparently was good. I don't remember him. That was like so long ago. Someone told me in the comments he was good. I've never, I don't think I ever watched him. It's, it's tough for me when I didn't live here, cover the Saints to tell you who their starting center was. I'm still feeling Cam as my number one prospect from the from the Senior Bowl. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he wouldn't, uh, you know, Tehran maybe. Durability. Peyton Turner is going to be, yeah, I mean, we can say Cam until Peyton Turner takes that mantle from him. Please. you. We wish. We I, well, I wish. We all wish that's true. Him and Marcus Davenport combined won't play as many games in their career as Cam Jordan totals. (laughs) That's true. That is very true. Like that's crazy, right? So, so Caesar Ruiz is my guy this year who I was like a pump the brakes on. It's like, okay, it's year three. We, we want to see a jump from him. I'm not giving up on him yet. I think Peyton Turner is going to be that guy for me next year. Cause I did like what I saw from him in camp. I really did. And I think that, there was just a disconnect when he got to the season. He just didn't get regular playing time. I think he got frustrated. And I think that there will be more a clearer path to to reps this year. And so hopefully, yeah, he can stay healthy. But, it, you know, it wasn't really health that kept him off the field other than that one ankle injury. Like, week two, he was a healthy scratch because they wanted to get Tano on the field, Quite right? And so, scratches. yeah. And so, like, I'm not giving up on him yet. Obviously, being a healthy scratch is not a good indicator that you are – that you are performing well in practice. But I also think like this is a very veteran laden pass rushing group. And yeah, you did want to get Tano on the field. You did want to get Carl Granderson on the field. And Peyton wasn't playing at a level that made you feel like, well, we don't want to get Carl out there because Carl was playing great. Carl had a great season. Yeah, when you start um, being so, a healthy yeah. scratch, you start getting into Stanley Jean Baptiste territory for me. Oh, I agree. I agree. But I'm just not, I'm not, like I said, that was me for Cesar Ruiz last year. So I think he's going to be my pump the brakes guy this year where okay. we, we like, okay, let's see what he has in this year three and we'll go from there. But all right, let's wrap that segment up. It was long. And then we'll get into a mailbag here to close out the show. going to go to a quick break here on Inside Black and Gold. And I will store all of these questions. I'll, I'll digest all of your takes and I'll see what comes out the other end. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. back here on inside black and gold and we're going to dive into the mailbag we haven't done this in a while i'm looking forward to it one of my favorite segments that we do you know in the offseason things get weird things get wonky but but we're 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 muddling through give us stars (laughs) plural 
Multiple. Um, <laughs> I'm Jeff Nowak alongside Steve Geller. You can follow me on Twitter at Jeff underscore Nowak. Follow Steve at Steve Geller WWL. And if you haven't subscribed, why not do it? First comment, first question out of the mailbag is more like a comment. It's from SWACFAN. He says, I don't want Sean Payton anywhere in the NFC. I've never understood this. This idea that if he's not in the NFC, they're better off. It, it, it's it's the same thing that you see like when the Packers are talking about trading Aaron Rodgers. They're like, oh, we want to trade him out of the NFC. Does that really benefit you? Like, I could understand not trading within your own division, but how yeah. often do you actually play like the NFC West, right? Like, you're really worried about playing him like once every four years and maybe they'll occasionally give you another matchup. Like, and then if you're, if you're talking about the playoffs, like wouldn't it be worse to lose to that guy in the Super Bowl than it would be to lose in like the NFC championship or the divisional round, or you could win. And then it, all of a sudden you're the winner in that. Like, I don't, I don't see how, how that actually benefits you. For me personally, I'm not even worried about the conference, but I just don't want, I was not on board with Peyton going to the Panthers. Like I said, don't want to see him twice a year, every year. Yeah. And right. To, to me, that that would be a problem. But yeah, if you're going to start looking at the entire NFC, I'm, I guess you could say you look at the maybe like a team like the Eagles or the Bears since you play them. It seems so often, but I, I don't know. Yeah, that wouldn't really concern me too much either. I'm just trying to get, especially at this point, with the market seeming to fizzle right now. Just some kind of draft compensation for this year, please. I, I I want the Saints in the first round. Yeah, like like I I I can understand that. Like yeah, okay, we don't want to send him somewhere where he's going to be in our building once a season, and we're going to have to go visit him once a season. That yeah. makes sense to me. I can understand that. But like yeah, it's like oh, we would never want to trade him to like you know the the Cardinals. Like would that no. really like you know how often do you play the Cardinals? I, I don't see, and it's like at the expense of slashing your potential suitors, like the potential bidding market in half. Like that's the cost, and that's why, like the like the Packers don't want to trade Aaron Rodgers within the NFC. And I'm like, so if this team showed up and gave you the best offer, you'd be like, no, we're gonna have to play you once every four years. That's not worth it. To, I'm like, get well, we, we might have to play him in the NFC Championship. It's like, then don't trade him at all. Like, if that's your, like, I don't, it doesn't make sense. Anyway, I've always found that dumb. Yeah, definitely something that I don't think would be in consideration either, just because you want that compensation for wherever it's coming from. And you're you're going to have to play the, you're going to have to play all these teams eventually, obviously, whatever. Yeah. Like, if, if they're trading enough, if they give you the best offer, then it's like, is that a bad thing? Here's Chris P says, how a one star. I think you guys do a good job. This is why I listen. Thanks, Chris. I, th- I, 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 I think we do a decent job too. And uh, yeah, that's why I got, that's why I got annoyed. I'm not, I'm not going to name drop him because he doesn't have a real name. So I can't Mr. One star Pete Carmichael hater. <laughs> anyway, thanks Chris. I appreciate Pete. that. This is a uh, Mike Marchese. Peyton is coming back to Nola. Dot, 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 dot. Watch! Exclamation point. How long do we have to watch for? Yeah. Well, and and like I get why people, this is an attractive idea for people. And, you know, and I think I went through the the whole like, oh, what if he brings Tom Brady? Would that change the equation? But But I think like Nick Underhill says this a lot. It's like, I don't think that's how it works when you quit your job. 
you're just like, right. You know, well, yeah. no one else wants to hire me. You mind if I come back? <laughs> like, go quit your job and see and see if and see if that's how it works. The biggest thing I do feel though in all of this for Sean is the fact that he's never gonna find that same scenario, that same feeling in the Saints building anywhere else. That whatever was special, unchecked authority. Whatever you want to say between him being able to do, you know, his free reign and the fact that yeah. he was so trusted with things. Yeah, that's not going to be the case everywhere. Yeah, you're not going to get unchecked authority everywhere you go. It's just a fact of life. But at the same time, like, it's like, no, that bridge is gone. Like, you're not, you know, you're not doing it again. I, yeah, I, I don't see it, especially not this season. Like, if you think that Sean's coming back this year. You're out of your mind. He's either getting a job and getting traded somewhere or he's going back to Fox. Like, he's not going back unless, to the Saints. Like, they're not the going to suddenly do, fire Dennis Allen. Unless the Saints get Lamar Jackson and then maybe Sean comes back too. Well, maybe he might want to. But again, <laughs> there's two sides in this equation. And if you think that 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 the Saints front office and, like, ownership was, like, very, very super understanding of him walking out the door and leaving them high and dry... Like they they may have said that and they may have like put on the right face. Like no, that that pissed some people off, right? Like that wasn't convenient for anybody. Um, it pissed off a lot of fans. And, yeah, no, I, I don't see it. It's like oh, now you don't have the franchise quarterback, and now you're you're out of here instead of trying to you know bring in a new guy and develop one, which he never did, yeah. obviously. Well, so you know, it's just funny. We did talk about all like the the quarterback kind of coats on the wall for Sean. One that yeah. we didn't mention, which is which should be mentioned as it pertains to Sean, is Tony Romo. Just because while he was there in Dallas before before coming to New Orleans, yeah, yeah. like he he, he was Tony Romo's coach, and he fair. wanted like Sean wanted Tony Romo to be his quarterback on the Saints, but the Cowboys wouldn't trade him. So like in fairness to Sean as I go through his list of Garrett Grayson's and Ian books and Luke McCown's and whatever it is only fair to include Tony Romo in that list and someone on YouTube pointed that out so I think it is fair like we should mention like he did mold Tony Romo and he was a very very good quarterback for a long time so I'll give him credit there well deserved I see on that one but man he's got a bunch of misses after that yeah yeah and that's the only one <laughs> that I'm gonna add I'm not adding anybody else I'll give him, what, Drew Henson, right? Like, no. The Keeping It Real Who That Sports podcast. Has anyone thought about this? Maybe Sean Payton is a very bad interviewer. Maybe he is turning teams off in the process. It's a fair question. I don't like, buy one. Sean hasn't had to interview for a job in a long time. Maybe he doesn't do it well. Like, that's a reasonable question. I, I don't think that's, a, that's, that's out of the equation here. Because, you know, not Come getting on. a second interview places would indicate that they are not falling in love with you as a coaching candidate. And I mean, I'm not saying like, he's like going in there and like, you know, tearing all the posters off the walls and, you know, put his feet up on the desk, but I'm um, like, he, he, he had basically the run of the show in new Orleans. And that might not like the way he wants to go about his job I might that, not right. match what these teams are looking for in a head coach. And whether they're right or not, right? Like some of these teams aren't exactly this paragon of success either. They all fired their coach. So they don't necessarily know what they're talking about in that respect. But I do think that it's a fair question to ask. Uh, to me, I, I can't imagine Sean being a bad interviewer just because his smarts, his know-how of the game, and just his overall attitude is going to come through. And 
he's one of those dudes that people want to be around and has that quote unquote, I guess you would say charm about him that I think he's able to win over pretty much the room all the time. Then where's the job offers? That's all I have to say. I I, th- I think it's the big compensation because you have to give up so, so much of an allotment of draft picks and making him possibly the highest paid head coach in the NFL. It's like a double whammy back to back. The Denver situation really, you know, when you think about it more and more after what they had to give up to get Russell and now you're going to have to give up another boatload to get Sean. It just, it seems like you're crippling the organization too much than helping it. Possible. Murtis has a more conspiratorial take, which okay. is Murtis Lockett here says maybe Peyton is tanking his interviews on purpose. Kind of like when they interviewed coaches last year and they promoted Dennis Allen. I don't know about that. <laughs> I don't think he's tanking interviews. If he's tanking interviews, he, I, like I said, I don't know. Maybe he is tanking interviews, but I don't think he's intentionally tanking interviews if he's tanking interviews. Oh, you mean like the Colts lost the Super Bowl because of the Katrina and the Saints? I don't know. I don't know what you're referencing. I mean, they no, did lose like, the Super Bowl. No, it was one of those things. Oh, and they lost it because, you know, to give the Saints the victory. Right. It's possible. Here's keeping it real again. So Shahid was not very impressive at either punt return or kickoff return. Hardy is better. I know special teams units stunk. I mean, Hardy, like Deontay hasn't had a good kick return season since 2020. That was his Pro Bowl year, right? No, that was 2019. Okay. 2020 was the COVID year. And he was solid, but he was hurt a lot of this season. He had a good return season, but he missed a lot of games. 2021, he was bad. 2022, he was bad. Now, what Deontay always did very well that went underappreciated was he was really good at getting upfield and just going headfirst into traffic and fielding kicks where if you didn't get to them, they're going to bounce and roll 10, 15, 20 yards. He's going to fair catch them and they're not going to go anywhere, but just fielding them at all is saving you yardage. And I think that's something where that's something that Rashid didn't do particularly well this year. But as a rookie, you know, you don't want to be muffing punts and he didn't muff any punts. So in that respect, I'm okay with it. Like in the return game, so much of being successful is not making mistakes. And he didn't make any major mistakes. He made one in his first game as the returner. I can't remember which game this was, but he let the ball bounce and it went like 30 yards might've been the Bengals. And like, that was the only real bad mistake he made, I think in the return yeah, game, did. but he, he was solid. Like two, he had two or I think two games. It was where he got tripped up by the turf. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he didn't break any plays. Like he didn't make any game breaking plays on the, in the return game, but he also didn't make any mistakes. And so that's where I'm okay with it. Like I'm okay with special teams being neutral, right? You can't lose you games. Would it have been better if you had you had some more you know big plays in that regard? Yes, but I don't think he was. I don't think he he was bad. Again, I like his profile in the offense a lot better than I like him as a dedicated returner. So I'm okay with them, you know, kind of farming that out a little bit and maybe bringing in someone like a Trey Palmer who is more of a burner and is just there to just do that. Um, but I don't think you're gonna you're gonna pay uh, Deontay. I think like that situation got awkward, um, and I don't I don't think you're going to bring him back. Uh, and I'll, I'll just say for Shahid, I don't I don't have a problem with him on special teams and the punter kickoff return. 
either. In fact, I, I look forward to seeing more of that in year two to see how much he he can grow, obviously. And, you know, just one of those guys you feel can break one at any second. There's one more here. Jeff Island and the Saints seem to love Will Levis of Kentucky. Uh, they like the offense he ran. I like. I, I agree. I think they they would love Will Levis, but I don't think they're going to have a pick to go get him. He's going to be. I think if he got to the middle of the first round, that would be a disappointment for him because I think he's a top ten candidate uh, if he yeah, if he, he shows off. Lasting. Well, I mean, for him, it's going to come down to how he performs in. For example, the Senior Bowl. He is the top quarterback prospect at the Senior Bowl. So that's going to be his first kind of showcase uh, situation, right? If he goes out there and he stinks, then maybe the Saints will have a shot at him because maybe he does drop into the second round. But I think it's more likely that he goes out there and he shows off the talent that, you know, Kentucky's tough because it's not a quarterback paradise. So, you know, it's kind of like Daniel Jones at Duke where it's like you kind of have to look past the fact that the offense stunk around him and just kind of look at the skills, but yeah. Uh, but I don't disagree I mean, with this. I do think the Saints like Will Levis. Sure, I just definitely don't think it's going to be a scenario, obviously, where he's even close to being around when they would have a pick or even could get even get into a pick. Even with number 12, you could get from Houston, say, from for Sean Payton, Levis ain't going to be around. I think he could be. And if you are at 12 then you would have the ammunition the range. to you, potentially right. go up a few picks, right? Like you could be the Chiefs going to get Pat Mahomes. I'm not comparing Will Levis to Pat Mahomes. I'm just comparing the situation, the situation where the Saints right. were at you. 11 and the Chiefs traded it up to 10 and took Pat Mahomes. So like that's the situation you could be in. But I don't think that's going to happen either. And, and we can go back to this uh, over and over again. For the same reason... I mean, the only way you're getting the 12 from the Texans is if there's someone else there that's like forcing you to give up the 12, <laughs> right? Like if the Texans are the only game and it's like he's either going there or not, there is no incentive for them to give up a first round pick. And there's no incentive for Sean to be like, yeah, guys, definitely trade the number 12. I don't want that if I'm going to be your future coach. So like... I don't think that that's even a question at this point. Right. I was going to say, I, well, I, I just figure obviously when they have, you know, what is it? Number two, they they would have had number one if they didn't accidentally win in week 18. What I'm saying though, you would imagine though, that 12 pick would come, have to come into play for Peyton. What are the saints are just going to take a second round pick for him? I think it takes future first. Well, that's what they were going to have to do with Arizona. If that, if that deal comes about. Right. But there's a big difference to me between giving up a future first and giving up the 12 this year, especially because you're adding Sean thinking he's going to kind of raise the watermark to somewhere where you might not, you know, ideally you're not getting the 12th pick, but uh, you know, worst case scenario, you're able to get two premium picks this year and then next year kind of ends where it does. But yeah, either way, I I don't think that it's going to happen. I don't think that the market's there for him. All right. Chris D, do you think Sean will go back to Fox? I think that's going to be the only option for him, personally. I'm hoping that's not the case, obviously, because I am selfish and want draft picks so we have something to talk about when we're doing all of our draft coverage instead of a day of absolutely waiting around and doing nothing. 
Well, hey, maybe if maybe yeah, if the Saints aren't in the first round of the the problem with the Saints not having a first round pick is you still can't not like you still have to like work yeah because you know that they could very easily trade into the first round like they're not a team that's going to sit on their hands so it's like you can't you can't like relax you still have to be like waiting you know (laughs) that's what makes it frustrating right something uh out of this world could happen where the saints have just sent alvin Kamara to the titans or i'm just saying you know for whatever for a first round draft pick kind of Something could manufacture a pick other than obviously Sean Payton. It's not likely though, but it still could happen. Well, just just for example, like the Saints do really love Will Levis, and he completely stinks at all of his workouts and all of his, you know, whatever. But they're just in love with the film, and they've 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 interviewed him, and they really like him. And they they as Thomas Dimitrov once said to me, they smelled the pits, and they came away happy. And then he falls into like the mid first round. Are you able to get up to like 23, 24? You know, like, are you able to flip the 40 and some other assets and go get him if he's really the guy who you think he is? Uh, Maybe, right? And so that's why like you can't just be like, well, they don't have a first round pick. I guess we can take the night off. Yeah. Anyway, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Chris D. Carl was playing better than Marcus Davenport. That's Carl Granderson. I wouldn't be surprised if Marcus is traded. Marcus Davenport is a free agent, so you're not trading him. But I agree that Carl was playing better than Marcus. Marcus was benched <laughs> late in the season. Like, he, he was playing, but he wasn't starting. Carl was starting. And so I think you are happy with what you got out of Carl. You are very disappointed in what you got out of Marcus. And the only question with Marcus is, are you able to bring him back at a rate that is like a sweetheart deal for you and is kind of a rebuild short-term contract for him where it's a kind of a win-win situation and you're going to be able to get Marcus contract year Marcus that you thought you were going to get this year, next year at a steep discount. Then I see you bringing him back. But if you're, if you're talking about paying Marcus at like a competitive salary for like a middle to top end defensive end. Sorry, he's he's walking. I'm the gear. I'm not paying that. I'm gonna guarantee that Saints fans are gonna get mad though when Marcus Davenport ends up leaving to go join Dennis Allen. I'm not Dennis Allen. Uh, uh, Ryan Nielsen Ryan somewhere Nielsen. kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, and then gets 15 sacks and <laughs> plays 16 games. Right, amazing. Well, but that's the thing. But that's the thing with Marcus, and we've seen it, right? Like. I think Marcus's issue this year was confidence. And because it's not like he suddenly forgot how to be that game-wrecking defensive end that we saw last year when he was healthy. He, I just, I don't know. It just wasn't clicking for him. And so, like, that is the frustrating thing that you probably do end up letting him walk. And maybe he does show up somewhere where he kind of can get his confidence back. And suddenly he's this double-digit sack guy again. It would not surprise me at all. And so, yeah, but I just don't see, you know, this guy had a half a sack all freaking season. That is absurd. Peyton Turner had two. (laughs) It's almost as if the finger injury had some kind of a a mental effect also on his game. I don't know. You think it's like a Samson situation where all of his football talent was in his pinky and he cut it off and it's like, oh, no, Uh, Oh, it's gone. Some or some of the aggressiveness or something. It just he he wasn't that same beast mode kind of 
upfront guy this year. Yes. I think that I think we've actually gotten to the bottom of this. His football talent was in his was in his pinky and then he cut it off and it was all gone. I, I don't know that, but anyway. maybe also too became kind of like a self-conscious thing. He was like bothered by the fact that he was he was missing that thing. Remember, he got really when we, we did talk to him during training camp, he was kind well, of he was weirded out that him. everyone took pictures of it. It, exactly right he's like he was kind of weirded out about the whole scenario of like well you guys took pictures of it and blew it up and put it all over social media so it definitely was something that bothered him right there yeah no i'm sure like like uh whatchamacallit uh kyle turley went to anger management i feel like marcus davenport needs the reverse of that almost he needs <laughs> he needs to go to anger class yes yes <laughs> Yeah, he's not a mean guy on the field, although he did punch uh, Deontay Foreman in the helmet. So, But even that was kind of a, like, if you're going to punch a guy, punch a guy. Don't give him this kind of like slap. If you're going to get an ejection, earn it, go to go to the, uh, oh, what was his name from the Bears? I'm blanking on it. Oh, the receiver? The guy who punched CJ. Javon Wims. Go to the That's Javon Wims school of, uh, of <laughs> sucker punching. <laughs> anyway, Chris D wants the Saints to draft Jameer Gibbs out of Alabama. He's... AL 2.0. I don't know what that means. I think he might be, I think he might have hit the L instead of the K. They are right next to each other. And he's saying AK 2.0. Um, but yeah, I mean, like, I would love to see to start drafting running backs. I hope they do, but it's just not, it's not just not their game. Well, you think this year, though, they're going to have to. I don't think yeah, they're going to go that on that. It's like, what do the Saints do at running back? Right. And I hope so. I mean, but they don't really have a ton of picks. I know it's gonna yeah, it's hard to guarantee you're gonna find that guy, but they you you definitely we've we we've talked about this a bunch. You need to find someone along with obviously Alvin Kamara to be more of that uh pounded up the middle kind of guy in this offense for me. I, I've seen way too many times where you're where you're letting Kamara do that where and it, that's where he shouldn't be used, and we should be getting more screen passes his way instead. Yeah, so a guy who a free agent to be that is intriguing to me, although he does come with baggage, is Kareem Hunt. I don't know if you want two running backs that punch people right outside of elevators. Oh, Teo. But like from a skill set perspective and from like a from a tread on the tires perspective, and uh, you know, I don't know what his market's gonna be. I think he's an intriguing guy. But yeah, like you should be able to just like you look at the running backs that are drafted and you're like, why can't we get one of those? You know, why can't we get a Kenny Walker? You know, why can't we get a Brees Hall? These aren't going. These guys aren't going in the first two rounds. These are third and fourth round picks. I think they were both third round picks. Like, like they're there to be had. You just got to draft them. You know, and I'm not saying they need to start drafting running backs in the first and second round. But, you know, there's talented players to be found and you just got to use picks on. Like that's no, for it. whatever reason, definitely that position was not stressed at all. It's like I would much rather you draft a, a dart throw running back in the seventh round than Tommy Stevens, for example. It was an interesting project. Like, oh yeah, we, we won't draft a running back, but we're gonna draft a quarterback that we think can play tight end. I don't even know if Tommy Stevens that doesn't want to be here. That would rather be in Carolina. <laughs> and now yeah. I don't think he's in the NFL. No, I don't think so either. But he got he did get to Carolina. They got him. They got their guy. Yeah. All right. I think that's gonna wrap it up for us here on Inside Black and Gold. Thanks for everyone who stuck around. This was fun. I enjoy doing these mailbags. Hit us up on Twitter at Jeff underscore Nowak and at Steve Geller WWL. Leave a rating, leave a review. 
subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And I'm going to stop complaining about stars. That was a one-time only thing. But if you will leave us a rating and a review, I do appreciate it. Again, if we don't talk about what you think we should talk about, keep in mind that we will eventually. And all you got to do is ask. All right, Steve, any parting words? Yeah, real quick, who you got making the Super Bowl? I'm going to go I'm going to go Eagles versus Chiefs even though there's a banged up Patrick Mahomes. You're going Chiefs. I'm sticking with Joe Burrow, man. I just it's, I understand he lose right. big games. And I know I know Pat Mahomes is walking around like like trying to pretend his ankle isn't like blowing up. <laughs> He's so full of it. Like you see him like walking like it's like, wow, he doesn't have a limp. But then it's like, you know, he gets around the corner and he's like, ah, no. Oh, you know? <laughs> <laughs> it just oh, man. I, like, I'm, I'm, I'm betting the Bengals. I'm, I'm picking the Bengals. And then, you know, it's hard, it's hard to pick against Brock Purdy at this point because every time I do, I'm wrong. You know, like I keep saying, oh, I'm going to bet against Brock Purdy because he's a rookie and he's eventually going to look like a rookie. If it was going to happen, you think it would happen by now. But I do right. think that the Eagles are just too complete of a football team. The two most complete football teams in the NFL are the 49ers and the Eagles. And I do think that if the Eagles avoid turnovers and they don't and they don't make life easier on the 49ers and they do force Brock Purdy to have to beat them, I think they win that game. I think that's that was the big difference between what that Cowboys game could have been and what it was is the 49ers never put any never had any scoreboard pressure. They were able to play from in front and let Brock Purdy do the things he was comfortable doing. Whereas if the Eagles are able to score and make Brock Purdy do things he's not necessarily comfortable doing, they win that game. Um so I'm picking the I'm picking the Eagles. Yeah, with me for for Philly's got to get to Purdy and stop making him look so darn comfortable. I think I might have texted yeah. you something. It's like he looks ridiculously at ease. And we're like in the depths of the playoffs here. And he's kind of he's kind of playing off Joe Cool NFC style. It's aggravating how easy he's making it all look. Absolutely. Right. Like all of these teams are just like, oh, we can't find a quarterback. We'll never win if we can't find a quarterback. And then really literally the last 30. pick in the in the seventh round <laughs> is like, oh yeah, yeah, this is nothing. I've been one of those two. I keep waiting for him to come down to earth kind of deal. And it just, it hasn't happened. He keeps putting up the numbers. Yeah. I've lost, I've lost money on him. I've bet against him like multiple times and lost every time. Rock busted. Here we go again. Maybe see, and this is me overreacting. This is why I lose all my bets because I watched the Eagles torch the giants. And now I'm like, well, the Eagles must be the best team ever because I, I'm a, I like the giants and they're not that bad, but then now I'm overreacting thinking the Eagles are the best thing on the planet. And then the 49ers are just going to win 10. And well, but well, I'll, I'll say this for the Eagles. They did it convincingly after, you know, they had struggled for a little bit um, after a hot, they had a hot start to the season and then kind of looked like they were waning, but Jalen Hurts and the offense kind of had their way, and it's it's obviously going to be a tough road against that Niners defense, but I, I don't know. I got a feeling we're in for a high-scoring game there, too. They shouldn't wane in that one. I don't think it's going to be that defensive struggle. More like low wane. I need a Funko Pop. Yes. I have a, I have a Frodo Baggins if you, if you want to if you want to take a run at that. It doesn't fit so on it, my shelf or makes sense. Do they make them for like every movie character? I think you could find a Funko Pop for literally anything on the planet. 
They're they're okay. like the they're they're like people treat them like beanie babies. Beanie babies in terms of like yeah. how they're gonna like gain value. I'm like, guys, that's never gonna be worth anything. <laughs> it's just a toy. <laughs> what if your Funko was signed by Mike Thomas though? It probably would. Well, I've said, I've always said this. I think it's it's so wild to me that like it would be so crazy to me if I had the ability to make things more valuable by putting my name on them. And uh, I think I do think if if Mike Thomas came and signed it, it would be worth more than it is now. I don't know what that would be. It wouldn't be that much more. You'd ever know in the crazy Funko world, Funko Pop world of collecting. In this Funko world we live in. All right, y'all. That's gonna wrap it up. Thanks everyone for watching. Who dat? This is Inside Black and Gold. Check us out. We're going to be posting. I think Tuesday, Friday is going to be the schedule from here on out. It just makes more sense. Trying to record a Thursday episode with in the off season is just it's just not enough time and not enough news. Uh, so that's what we're going to keep doing. I do like the idea of making this one the live episode. So maybe that's what we'll keep doing. Thanks everyone who chimed in. And uh, again, if you have any questions, comments, hit me up Twitter. Don't hit me up on Instagram because I never use it. But yeah. That's it. All right, Steve. Say goodbye. Sean to Arizona. Make it happen. <laughs>